Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. You are listening to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Dealing with detractors online isn't easy. A new program helps to help those involved in agriculture navigate through the online and in-person negativity. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have more coming up. The expansion of veterinary education opportunities at West Texas A&M University in Canyon is moving forward. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Drought continues to worsen in much of Texas. This week, 69% of the state is suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's up 49 percentage points from this time last year. But it is 12 points lower than three months ago. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, more than 18.7 million Texans are living in an area affected by drought. The hardest hit areas appear to be far west Texas, parts of the Rio Grande Valley, and the Southern Plains. The Texas Water Development Board reports those areas are all under exceptional drought right now and need rain. Meanwhile, recent precipitation has helped other areas of the state. The northeast corner of the Panhandle, northeast Texas, and the Concho Valley are mostly drought-free. And the worsening drought can have a big effect on cotton prices. Cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland says the weather here in Texas is a big concern right now. Well, I think it's a may has a will have a major impact. But uh, whatever happens, if the rain comes or if the rain doesn't come, uh, that's that's the bulk of the U.S. crop. Certainly, west of the rolling plains and the high plains, uh, the coastal bend and then the valley give us our early crop that uh, will be very important this year because those are typically a very high quality crops, and we're out of cotton or out of quality. Uh, so we we do need some quality cotton to get into this market soon much sooner than it appears we're going to have it. But we, we, we are concerned about the crop size. Cleveland thinks the cotton market has the potential to move to 85 cents or better. The Animal Ag Alliance has launched a new program to help those involved in agriculture to become better advocates for animal agriculture. Jessica Domel has more. The Animal Agriculture Alliance is now accepting applications from farmers, ranchers, and practicing veterinarians who are interested in becoming outspoken advocates for agriculture online and in their communities. Hannah Thompson-Weeman, Vice President of Communications for the Alliance, says it is all part of the Animal Ag Allies Development Program. It is really critical for farmers, ranchers, practicing veterinarians, and industry professionals to feel comfortable and confident engaging in critical conversations about animal agriculture. Unfortunately, there are myths and misconceptions out there about things like animal welfare, responsible antibiotic use, and sustainability. And a lot of times, the most credible and trusted voices are the folks who are on the front line 
minds, living this life in and out, and really hands-on caring for animals. So we started the Animal Ag Allies program to help those exact people, those exact voices, get this training and the background information that they need to feel more confident and feel empowered to talk with the media, talk with their communities, talk with influencers about animal agriculture. Folks in the Animal Ag Allies program get to work through five online self-paced modules about things like growing your social media following, media relations, hot topics in animal agriculture. And then they get to join a private networking group where they can interact with others who completed the program, ask questions, and get more resources. The deadline to enroll for the next group is Friday, May 7th. There are no strict requirements for the program, but there are a few guidelines. So if you don't meet it exactly, please do still fill out an interest form and we'll let you know if we believe the program is a good fit. We are looking for farmers, ranchers, veterinarians particularly, who have already started some type of work in this area. So you already have a social media page. Maybe you have about a thousand followers. You've already done some media interviews. Uh, potentially, you've already done some sort of training program, like your individual species, their training program, or Farm Bureau even, uh, or some other way that you've already gotten some kind of exposure to these issues. So we're looking for folks who've already started down this path and want some help getting to the next level, as well as getting a more broad education in this area. You can apply at animalagalliance.org. That is animalagalliance.org. Click on initiatives and then animal ag allies. Again, that is animalagalliance.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The expansion of veterinary education opportunities at West Texas A&M University in Canyon is moving forward. James Hunt reports from the Panhandle. Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson, who was among the dignitaries getting a special tour of the new Vero facilities, says he was very impressed. The facilities are so nice and new and so, uh, you know, well-organized and well-engineered, and I think they're well thought out. We went over the curriculum, and I think their curriculum sounds fantastic. For those who might need a refresher, Vero is an acronym that stands for Veterinary Education Research and Outreach. Essentially, it's a partnership of West Texas A&M and the Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine. A&M System Chancellor John Sharp, who was also on Wednesday's tour, says Vero will provide a special opportunity to Panhandle area students. Go to WT, get in vet school, spend two years here, go to Texas A&M, which is the number five vet school in the world, and then come back home. Yes, come back home to serve the needs of our region's vast animal agriculture industry. Texas Cattle Feeders Association President and CEO Ross Wilson appreciates the cultivation of new veterinary talent and also the important research being conducted by Vero. Issues such as antimicrobial resistance and how can we be better stewards of all things antimicrobial. Bovine respiratory disease, which continues to be a challenge for our industry. So the feedlot industry, as you know, is very significant. There's a significant dairy industry. We really couldn't have a better location to have this new partnership and collaboration. Now, going back to the academic side, Chancellor Sharp says when the initial group of first-year veterinary students arrives on the Canyon campus this fall, they'll be getting very individualized attention. I mean, it's going to be 18 students and about the same number of faculty, and so, boy, you talk about one-on-one, -on -one, these are going to be some darn good veterinarians for this award. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Southern Plains of Texas has received some welcome moisture recently that has helped spring planting prospects. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. 
We go to West Texas now, and Eddie Griffiths joins us with his report on uh, what farmers and ranchers are doing in the early spring in that part of the state. And uh, Eddie, uh, as I understand, first thing we ought to talk about is the fact that you folks finally got some uh, moisture in the area, I guess in the form of uh, rain and, uh, of course, uh, snow uh, earlier before that. So how is that helping uh, the situation? It is. We've gotten measurable moisture and that is beneficial to everything and as you mentioned the snow and we've gotten some frozen snow in the form of, of hail we've gotten a little bit of of everything so it is definitely looking better than it was the last time we got to speak tom the uh wheat crop in the area has really responded to this moisture and looked like it was all but done but it, it seems like it's going to survive and hopefully if we get some more and more sure along the way you know we'll be able to see a substantial wheat crop across the area from a precipitation standpoint uh, as you mentioned uh, about how much uh, has uh, the region received uh, recently past week we received in some locations an inch inch and a half and then a couple of weeks before that it was anywhere from half an inch to three quarters of an inch so we're starting to get some some moisture, much needed moisture in the area, but we're going to need quite a bit more as we get closer to planting and especially as we start getting seed into the ground to have a germination and to get that crop to where it needs to be as we get into the summer months. Thank you, Eddie. That is Eddie Griffiths joining us today with his report from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A proposal to eliminate the stepped-up basis in agriculture could have a costly impact. Chad Smith has more from Washington. Tax policy is important in helping farmers pass their operations on to future generations. John Newton, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, talks about what eliminating the stepped-up basis will mean for farmers. To reduce the capital gains tax, farmers and ranchers use stepped-up basis, which provides a reset for the basis during intergenerational transfer or to the market value at the date of death. Without stepped-up basis and considering the dramatic increase that we've seen in land values in the recent decades, many farmers would face a burdensome tax hike through capital gains taxes when they sell all or a portion of the farm's assets. He says the American Farm Bureau and the American Soybean Association recently ran the numbers on what the potential gains taxes would be per acre of cropland. Based on USDA's data from 1997 and assuming a capital gains tax rate of 20 percent, we found that the taxes would be anywhere from 500 to 800 dollars per acre across the Corn Belt and over a thousand dollars per acre in portions of Iowa and Illinois. In areas closer to urban areas, where land values have appreciated more rapidly, the taxes could be even higher per acre. The longer the land has been in the family, the higher the capital gains tax most likely is going to be. Newton says the tax would be a financial burden for farms for up to a decade. I think one way to put that into perspective is to think about the income generation on the farm. And So we looked at cash rental rates across the country, and that $500 to $1,000 per acre in taxes, in many cases, was 400 to 500 even even 1,000% of the cash rental rate. So it's a hefty tax hike that in many cases would take several years, four, five, six, as many as 10 years to meet that tax obligation. He says farmers can write their members of Congress asking for support of the stepped-up basis at fb.org forward slash advocacy. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today. In exchange for stewardship of wildlife and habitat, you could get an extended deer hunting season. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details on that program coming up on Texas Ag Today. And many small dogs have a condition that causes chronic coughing. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Many small dogs have a condition that causes chronic coughing. Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. A chronic cough can be due to many different problems, especially in small dogs. Many small dogs can have congestive heart failure, and this can lead to coughing. So treatment for coughing will not be effective until the heart failure is treated. Chronic pneumonia or other chronic infections or cancer in the lung can also lead to chronic coughing. However, the most common cause of chronic coughing in small breed dogs is a condition called tracheal collapse. The trachea or windpipe is a structure made of C-shaped cartilaginous rings with a thin membrane at the top. And this membrane can become wider as the dog ages and the extra membrane can actually be sucked down into the trachea as the dog breathes. This decreases the size of the trachea, causing the dog to breathe harder and inflammation leads to a cough. The tracheal rings can also become less stiff as the dog ages, and the rings can collapse, making the trachea smaller, and this also commonly causes the dog to cough when being excited and especially when breathing harder. So if you have a dog that coughs when excited, then likely tracheal collapse is involved. When mild, the condition can be treated with medications to control the cough and steroids to reduce inflammation. Sometimes antibiotics are needed as infection is involved. However, a recent study indicated that surgery to place a stent in the trachea allowed dogs with severe tracheal collapse to live longer and have less complications. And the earlier the surgery was performed, the better. So if you have a small dog that is always coughing, ask your veterinarian about tracheal collapse and possible surgery. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas hunters have the opportunity for an extended deer hunting season. Jessica Domel tells how in today's wildlife report. Enrollment is now open for the Managed Lands Deer Program for the 2021-2022 season. Alan Kane, white-tailed deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. It's a program that the department has to work with private landowners to encourage good land stewardship and wildlife management on private properties. As a participant in the program, landowners enjoy the benefits of extended seasons and in some cases enhanced or custom customized bag limits that are specific to that particular property. The harvest option is self-service. It costs $30 to enroll. For some individuals that are not necessarily needing assistance from a parks and wildlife biologist, but would like the flexibility of uh, maybe an extended season or some enhanced bag limits possibly, they can participate in the harvest option, which allows an automated tag issuance. It requires landowners to report their harvests at the end of the season. The conservation option provides customized one-on-one assistance from TPWD biologists. It requires two years of harvest and population data. It allows 
allows you essentially a very long season from about the 1st of October to the end of February. Landowners can harvest bucks and does with a rifle or any legal means. You receive a customized harvest recommendation specific for that property. Cost for the conservation option is $300 for the first management unit and $30 for each additional management unit. Cost is $300 for an aggregate site. The fee for wildlife management cooperative members who join as part of a cooperative is $30 per management unit. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, the cattle market took a bit of a breather on Thursday after a bullish run-up here over the last couple of weeks. We finished mostly lower in both live and feeder cattle futures. However, the cotton and grain markets really took off to the upside. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a slight pullback in the cattle complex after a nice run-up here over the last couple of weeks. We ended up closing lower on all except the nearby April live cattle contract. It was up a dollar, finishing at 124.15. June live cattle down 25 cents, 125.02. The August down 10. 124.02. Feeder cattle mostly lower. April feeders down 50 cents, 147.12. May feeder cattle down $1.7, 151.60. The August down 27 cents at 161.60. Cash fed cattle market picked up. We saw a higher trade in all areas of our cattle feeding country. We'll start up north in Nebraska. They sold cattle as high as 123 live, 196 dress. That's four to six dollars higher compared to last week. Closer to home here in Texas, we've sold just about 7,000 heads so far this week. The highest price we've seen is 121. Boxed beef prices have been climbing for the last several weeks. On Thursday, choice up 345 at 269.76. Select taking another big jump up 812 26331. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Henry Pickett from Abilene Livestock. They sell them up there in Abilene every Tuesday. Henry, how did this Tuesday sale turn out? Well, we ended up with uh, about 1,000, 25, 30, about 200 cows. We had some wean cattle there that were kind of the highlight of the sale. We had some 420-something pound steers been weaned on shark pasture. They bring $2.13 a pound. They're heifer mates weighed right at the same and they bring a dollar 75 it was pretty dang good how about the cow side of the equation uh, it looked like they put another two to three dollars on these cows we had some 70 to 74 cent packer cows and some dollar packer bulls again good. everything looks like it's continuously going up a little bit each week well that's good what do you know for next week uh next week we've had a couple of calls on some other yearlings that uh grazing's getting short we're supposed to be in the high 80s and 90s all this week and that'll probably beat this pasture up on this wheat grazing anyway 
Speedway. We've got another consignment of a handful of cows. And then also we're hosting the DRI, which is Disability Resources. It's a good organization. We're having an auction. They've got all kinds of different items in it to raise money for their for their operation. That'll be in conjunction with our regular sale this coming Tuesday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Henry Pickett, Abilene Livestock. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865 or my cell number is 940-733-8208. We appreciate you and we'll talk with you before that next sale. Thank you. Thank you. Neighbor, it looks to me like that's all the time they're going to give us for walking the pins here on the Texas Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Heading back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finished higher. April up 60 cents at 103.47. May hogs up 97, 105.42. Class 3 milk was higher. April milk up 7 cents, 17.62.100. May milk up 18 at 19.36. Cotton and grains both seeing a nice jump on Thursday. USDA releasing the weekly export sales report. It was definitely a bullish report showing export sales of 310,000 bales. Also a lot of concern in the market right now about the drought situation here in Texas. That's helping to support prices somewhat. May cotton up 191 points at 81.41. July cotton up 182 at 82.66. December cotton up 108 points, 81.12 cents. The wheat market closed lower, dry weather affecting wheat as well. Mainly dry weather concerns in the northern and northwestern plains and much of the Canadian prairies. That's helping to support wheat prices. July Kansas City wheat up 13 and 3 quarters, 583 and 3 quarters. July Chicago wheat up 14 and a half, 630 and a half. Dry weather also affecting the corn market, but this is dry weather down in Brazil that's helping to support prices. Also rumors of more Chinese corn demand and expectations of falling U.S. corn stocks, all combining to see a big jump in the corn market on Thursday. May corn up 19 and a quarter, closing at 579 and three quarters. September corn up 10 and three quarters at 510 a bushel. December corn up nine and a quarter. 494 and three quarters. In the energy markets, May natural gas was unchanged, 252. May crude oil down two cents, 59.75 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 40 points, 33,486. The Nasdaq up 126 at 13,815. The S&P 500 up 14 at 4,094. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.